0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
1: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191. Right now, though, we're talking rugby league uh, with a man that loves his league more than most, Sam Ackerman. G'day, mate. How are you?
0: Very well, mate. Unhealthy is how it's been described in uh, in some channels. So, yeah, I'm... Oh, more than most, I'll take. More than most
1: indeed. Now, there's a lot of uh, different games to talk about. It was a big weekend of rep footy, but we should start with uh, late last night in Perth. Uh, now, it being confirmed, the westernmost uh, suburb in Sydney, the way that New South Wales play there, and the, and the New South Wales Panthers um, up over Queensland quite convincingly.
0: Yeah, look, normal service has resumed. It was just a blip in um, uh, that game one, uh, but it was outstanding uh, by New South Wales, and they had a point to prove. Uh, they were they were in the contest in game one, but they were certainly uh, short of their best, and they got uh, to coin the um, the immortal Gus Gould phrase: they were out-origined by um, by by Queensland in that first game. They didn't come with the they brought the skill, but not the intensity, uh, and I thought that intensity was there. Uh, and bucket loads uh, in that game. Uh, I think the the tackle that stands out to me for that is is Nathan Cleary absolutely monstering Caelan Ponga. He got port and report for it, and it was an HIA uh, assessment for uh, for Ponga. I've I've got to say I'm I'm still wondering where the where suspension can come from a tackle like that. But regardless, they showed this uh, this aggression. They showed a ruthlessness, and even when things were going tit for tat in that first half, uh, once they got their opportunity, which came from a sin binning from uh, for the for the Queenslanders uh, with. Lisa Cafusi put in the bin. Uh, from there, it was just a, a a dominant run. They took every opportunity that came their way, uh, and they kept the foot on the throat. It was it was great to see from a New South Wales point of view, uh, and Queensland were showing up uh, in that second half in particular. They uh, they. When they lost that momentum, when the wind got out of their sails, they didn't know how to get it back. And uh, everyone talks about Cameron Munster being the next Wally Lewis and how he can change a game. Well, he had a few opportunities, but in fairness, a lot of pressure was put on him, and he didn't come up uh, and deliver when it was required. So, yeah, Nathan Cleary made a major statement, and I think that it's... uh, the the obviously the cliche version that set up a, a cracking game three, but it is now anyone's bet because we've seen what the bounce back factor is and the need for redemption. New South Wales have just written the book on it for Queensland to go sit down, and read through, and and come back themselves. They're a talented group. They're playing in Queensland. Um, so I, I certainly don't think it's a fait complete, but uh, the the mental and moral advantage goes with the Blues right now. Yeah, that's how it feels. There were some changes
1: made, of course, to both sides. Injury enforced for Queensland but Freddie really pulled the trigger, didn't he? And one of the, I mean, I, they won and they won well but one of the changes he made that it feels like Probably didn't work as well as he thought, and, and maybe he'll go back for Game 3. We'll see, but Upasai Corasau coming in for Damian Cook. I mean, Damian Cook ended up playing 46 minutes, which, which would suggest that uh, maybe that was an experiment that didn't quite work as he thought it might.
0: I, I, I go I, I'm with you I don't think that the two hookers were the dominant factor that they should be um, when you've got two on there but listen I was critical of only having one I thought Damien Cook is a virtual eight minute um, uh, rake going up against uh, Harry Grant and Ben Hunt uh, he was showing up in game one so having that uh, extra energy boost worked I personally would have liked to go the other way around and had Damien Cook start and have uh, Corusel come on and spend maybe a, a collective 30 minutes on there so you still get a lot of Cook but you get fresh energy and fresh legs. I think it made a difference and it made a difference in the delivery too. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that when uh, Nathan Cleary is in that dominant uh, mode, if you're the hooker, you're not looking to run. If he's putting his hand up for it and your seven is playing like that and says, I want the ball, it's not a a conversation. It's you pass it on. So I don't think there was a failure. Um, I don't think they grabbed it by the scruff of the neck Um, and became a dominant duo. But I I also don't think they did anything wrong along the way. I I don't look at them as like, oh, well, I wonder what they could have done better. I really think it comes down, down to the guys who deserved the ball, got the ball for New South Wales, and that's a smart move for any footy team. Uh,
1: what about changes potentially for Game 3? I mean, I felt like in the first half, uh, Stephen Crichton got found out a wee bit at right centre. They certainly attacked down uh, that side. I mean, do you think that uh, Crichton's starting position is in danger and we might see a talakai get the, uh, the full 80?
0: Yep, yeah, there's a chance to keep, keep into account too that um, Jack Whiten could be back uh, and that mm-hmm. changes the complex because he was the best on ground for the Blues in game one. So he was only missing through injury, which allowed both Crichton and Matt Burton uh, to get a, um, get a start. So, so I don't think Crichton set the world on fire. And I wouldn't say, I definitely don't think his position is safe. But I also think from a momentum point of view, um, that Fitler will be loath to make changes for the sake of changes. Um, whereas you have a, a cohesive team unit working, then you want that to... To drag on. That's what we saw for um, for Queensland too, and it, it, it doesn't necessarily work out. It's really hard to put those in. But if Jack Whiten's available. He comes in. So it's who comes out? Does Burton switch sides to play with uh, with Tupou? Does he? Uh, do you allow um, Whiten to shift across to the um, to the, the the right side? It's a, it's a it's a tough conversation, a tough uh, decision to make. But um, of, of the of the seventeen that took the field, I'd say the one and most danger if you like of holding their spot would be Crichton yeah okay mate what about in, in
1: the Marone side of things obviously it didn't go well for them um, and you know they they really missed uh, Reuben Cotter didn't they uh, the, the dynamicism he gave them around the field in game one
0: was was certainly missed yeah absolutely and I've got a few injury concerns um, to go with as well I think um, uh, i the head knock, see how he goes. Uh, and there's also um, talk that Karen Munster was carrying something off the back of that as well. So um, he's getting a scan to uh, to check himself out, make sure he that his shoulder can hold up, because that's uh, obviously a, a, an almost unfillable hole mm-hmm. um, for them the way he's been uh, at origin level. So uh, a lot of questions uh, as they go. But I, I, I think you'll find that injury aside, Billy Slater will pick and stick. It was it was the what worked in his era as a player, and I don't think that uh, he's going to come out and, and really throw anyone under the bus as a first-time coach, uh, unless there's somebody with a just a, an overwhelming amount of experience to call on. He will. All these guys together and say it's game on. We're going to Queensland, we're going home. This is our chance. I believe in you, and that's how you know that man management style has worked so well for Queensland for so long. Um, but they are up against a very good New South Wales side, so um, I, I, I don't look at it and go, Well, these changes will, will turn things around for them. I think they've probably got the right squad to do it, um, it's just whether whether they can lift themselves back up to the level we saw in game one.
1: Yeah, I think it's, he's got to address the middle four. Um, I mean, you look at it, I mean, being between the two starting props and uh, Lindsay Collins and Josh Papali, they didn't play 80 minutes between them, and Tino only played 38 minutes at lock, so uh, obviously something not working there.
0: I just think that they were gassed. They didn't get any ball down the other end. And that isn't in the second half in particular. And that's a complete anomaly. There was one, I think the stat was they had one tackle inside the opposition 22. And that was essentially a fumble so they, they didn't get down to the area where they needed to be to make the, uh, to put the pressure on and because of that uh, and considering that they played the first nine minutes with uh, a man in the bin, I just think they were gassed. I don't think they had the energy to uh, punch through uh, and that's why they didn't have the energy to make the tackles. There was some soft tries were scored along the way. I I just put that down to New South Wales putting relentless pressure on. Mm. Alright, let's talk some international footy, mate. Uh, we saw the Kiwi Ferns get
1: up over uh, Mate Tonga and and, uh, and they did it pretty convincingly. And then the, the Kiwis themselves followed it up. Uh, a lot of firepower in this game. 26-6 at uh, Mount Smart Stadium. And the spine of that Kiwi side looks really good and a lot of promise going into the World Cup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The first of the Kiwi Ferns, it was great to see them um, out there and get a a run. And yes, it was dominant. And uh, respectfully to the uh, to the the female Tongan uh, side, they are not at the same giant killing caliber uh, as the uh, as the male counterparts. So it was wonderful for them to um, get a test and get a chance to play against the Kiwi Ferns, and they're a team much like a, a lot of our female sport teams. Uh, they've got a lot of talent and a lot of potential. They just need to work their way back up to the to the status and level that we know that they are capable of. So it was a good, ruthless encounter. They they didn't uh, take their foot off the break. The scoring tries in the, well, the first couple of minutes, the scoring tries in the last couple of minutes, they uh, they really pushed on. So it was great from the, uh, the Kiwi Ferns. As from the Kiwis, uh, the spine was wonderful uh, and the, the depth of, of talent uh, in that Kiwi uh, spine selection group, I'm talking about the wider squad and those not picked in this team. Is uh, at a level that I have never seen, as far as the, the the skill level. Through we've always had some very good players in one six nine and seven, but uh, I would I would say that the ability to take someone out and put them in. If I told you Sean Johnson was coming in a halfback. Now, who didn't make the squad for very few reasons, you wouldn't blink and say we're screwed. You know, there's, there's a guy who's played, a, uh, proved himself at, at test level. There's, there's a lot of guys um, out there that you, c- you could throw in uh, to those roles. And it's it's wonderful that they are in that situation now. But the, those are there, for, I thought in general throughout the context of the game, made smart decisions through it. It was a really intelligent spine. We don't just have good players, we've got good players from good systems. Joe Manu obviously isn't a fullback on a regular occasion, but he ran the house down, 400 metres is, is phenomenal, a record uh, at that level, at any level of the game. It's just amazing to watch him go uh, for a guy who's played 10 minutes of fullback at NRL level. Uh, he is uh, a smart decision-maker. He, he put in good kicks. He put himself in good positions. And same thing goes for the half and hooker. It was, it was a smart move uh, right throughout. There's a couple of options. I'd like to see a little bit more killer. I think there was some tries left on the table, but they they didn't make a lot of uh, bad decisions, just a, a little bit of final execution. So that was a great situation uh, to see this team in uh, and to hold this Tonga inside And we will note that this is not Tonga at its absolute peak. This is not uh, all their players and everybody that they will play with in a World Cup context, uh, but still a very good time inside with a very good pack. To hold that pack to six points, I thought was really impressive. Uh, And they are without their coach as well. Christian Wolf is still coaching over in Super League, so the guy who ran them in the World Cup wasn't there. Dean Young was the interim coach with Wayne Bennett offering some advice along the way. So, yep, there's, there's rationales and reasons, but... The, they confronted their first test match in two and a half years, and they played beautifully, Ricardo. That was a wonderful contest to watch, and I, you know, we can talk about the, the polish, but when you do, keep in mind that these guys haven't even had training camps together over that whole period. It is it's, it's great to get out and see them play like this again, and uh, it's just wonderful to see the Kiwis play and the Kiwi ferns. Because you think of all our national sporting teams, can you think of anyone that's had to wait longer of this of that level and calibre? Instead of wait long between drinks because of the COVID um, disruptions in the Kiwis, it's been a very long time coming, uh, and it's just a joy to watch it again. So watching Te Iwi Kiwi get performed at the start, yeah, it it, it was it was special. It was special mate uh, and you know you talk about that depth too
1: I mean the fact that Kieran Foran is your 14 uh, guy, guy with his experience and guile I mean he didn't even get on till I think of the last sort of 10 minutes and Sean Johnson yeah, didn't even make the squad neither did Cody Nicarima so probably more depth than I think we've ever had in the playmaker roles
0: yeah, and no, I think I think Cody Nikarimu, Sorry, pardon me. Uh, Kieran Foran was was the wrong pick. Was fourteen. If that's how they're going to play, I would love to have seen uh, maybe an Aaron Clark mm-hmm. or a uh, or even um, Temati, uh Martin get a run in that role. Because uh, I don't see you know look at Foran and go roll. He's he's going to be the guy that comes on and brings that spark at dummy half. He was solid when he came on for sure but he's not a guy that's going you you wouldn't go I'm going to give um going to give Brent Smith uh, I don't know 55 minutes and uh and give 35 through to um uh oh, sorry, 25 through to um the other hooker being Foreign. I'd like to have seen someone with a bit of spark so he can see that one two punch, so we can build a bit of depth at hooker. But um, Brandon Smith is just a, a. You might as well tattoo that number nine jersey on his back. With the, he, he will be. He, it's his as long as he wants it, as far as I'm concerned. He, much like Isaac Luke, what he brought to the Kiwis for so long, he's just his spark and his his energy is phenomenal but you need to build that depth in the nine area i think we've got a lot of good players but i think we don't need to work on those combinations so to me that was a a missed opportunity yeah
1: well i mean if there was uh, anything that sort of raised my eyebrow about the selection it was Nia Kore at center um and and then joey manu at fullback cuz it felt that felt like a defensive move and and i'm not Doubting uh, Madge Maguire when he looked at the size of this Tongan team, he maybe thought they needed some more starch there. I mean, how we could always do with you and Aitken out in the three jersey for the Warriors. I think, given the amount of second rowers we've got, but I think from an attacking point of view, we'd look so much better with the Mighty Martin and the one and Joey Manu in the three, wouldn't we?
0: I was holding that before the game, but watching Joey Martin, uh, sorry, uh, watching Joey Manu go, I was, I was. Th- I was more than impressed. i, 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 I will prepared to eat my words on that. He is um, not only is he a world class centre, he's obviously proved himself as an international caliber fullback. Now it's you know just one game. He, he needs to do it more often to be world class player. But he he's shown he can prove himself. He can hold his own uh, at an international level there. So I, I'm I'm comfortable with it how it worked in the uh, in the wider scheme of things. I think that maybe the the reason behind it is I think that um, Tamari Martin is still coming back from what was a career ending. Uh, situation with his uh, with his blood clot. I mean, that he's on the field again is remarkable. But back into the stage of his career, perhaps there was the, the thought of not putting that level of um, exposure and pressure on him as a, as a test fullback. But, you know, if you pick him in the squad, you've got to be prepared to pick him, right? But I, I, I'm OK with how it panned out. Um, and yes, I think it was a defensive move. But I think it's also very clear that Madge Maguire wants this team to be a defensive team and i'm okay with that because they've got attacking options if they can restrict teams if they can make sure that just the simplest of, of facts is they score less points than the Kiwis score then the kiwis are in a healthy position and that's what we love to watch the kiwis play with flair and we saw plenty of it uh, and when you've got um you know halves and outside backs like we saw uh, on the field Uh, in the weekend, then they will always have, let alone, you know, the forwards with that run from James Fisher-Harris. I mean, Mm -hmm. anyone in in this team can produce something, but the defensive starch is not a renowned factor. Big hits and a tough packers, but defensive starch and showing up to make tackle after tackle and running teams down when you're up by 20 with a few minutes to go, that's not a renowned feature of the Kiwis. If that can become part of their DNA and part of their fiber, then they're going to be an awfully hard team to stop. Uh, And, you know, one day the Kangaroos will have to play test match rugby league again. They'll have to remember that they do have an Australian team. It's not just the Australian merits team that Mel Meninga names as figureheads after an origin series. And they do have an obligation to play against, you know, the rest of the bloody world. One day when they play again, they are going to be a good side. But if the Kiwis can have combination and can have faith in uh, in a structure as opposed to just putting champion players together then they are a chance of winning a World Cup this year. This, this was a, a marker that needs to be laid and I think a defensive marker I'm comfortable with.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I look at the, uh, the draw for the World Cup and going to form, you would think the semifinals are going to be a re- uh, repeat of uh, what we saw Saturday night with New Zealand playing Tonga and then and on the other side, it'll be England versus Australia, all going well. But I mean, what we saw from Samoa, what we saw from PNG on the weekend, it's not cut dry.
0: Yeah, we're building a um, a international, uh, you know, widespread interest level now where it's not going to be just a walk up and and Tonga can take huge credit for that with what they've done and being you know giant killers and taking down New Zealand taking down England taking down Australia you know and some are are, are not far away from being a follow in in those footsteps and that's wonderful but like us you know the main thing is that rugby league is held held to ransom by uh, by the Australians and I understand that why state of origin is their top product they control it but uh, and it it brings them a lot of money uh, and would you get six 60,000 people to a rugby league test match in Perth? No, you would not. Under any circumstance, you would not. So that shows you the value uh, of, of what they have as a product. But because of that, and because they don't put rugby league first, how is the game going to grow? And they have a responsibility at some point to say, do you know what? We need to make sure for this game, for us to be the biggest brand possible, for the Kangaroos to be what the All Blacks really are to the world, then they need to play more test matches and be involved and be prepared to get their, you know, Play play a team without your origin players if you have to. Whatever, be involved. It happens in cricket, it happens in other sports where you can't have your best players at any given moment, but get out there and, and help to build this game. Can you imagine if the All Blacks put the North Island versus South Island game ahead of test footy? And yeah. then every now and then we'd, we'd go on tours. Every now and then, of course not, because the game is big, and the and the money is in and, and markets are in playing overseas. But we've seen the home nations being uh, of of um, of the northern hemisphere. We've seen them put a stranglehold over rugby union for a very long time, and particularly in the in the past where things kind of went on their basis. But you know, it's it's a it's an absolute travesty to um, to think that the game can't grow because Australia holds all the marbles, and if they you know if they can see the benefit. Of of the international game growing for them, then perhaps. But the uh, uh, fact of the matter is, they don't. I understand commercially why it doesn't, uh, but I I get a little frustrated. I mean, they, the kangaroos are essentially becoming the the British and Irish lions of of rugby league. We see them every now and then. We're supposed to be grateful for their presence um, when they when they do. But I, I as a as a long time Kiwis fan, I'm um, I'm ready for the Kiwis to hold that place at the the number one in the world rankings because the Australians don't play. I want them to be number one in the world rankings because they beat the Australians regularly.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I agree with you. As I said to um, Andrew Voss uh, this time last week, why is the team ranked fourth in the world dictating international footy to everyone else? Um, you know, yep. it needs to be looked at. Hey, just had this text come through too. Uh, just get your comment on this before we let you go, Sam, from Goose. Joey Manu is being selected at fullback. People need to remember that is his position. He's a fullback playing centre, not the other way around. He said that a number of times, but unfortunately, he's stuck behind Tedesco. Roosters have won nine out of ten games. Manu has played at fullback. It's certainly, giving Trent Robertson something to think about, isn't it?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it's a, and but it's the what he's thinking about is what great depth I have at fullback. Uh, he's not thinking there's no way in the world that um, that he'll be playing there ahead of Tedesco, uh, and Tedesco's got the the track record. Uh, and I don't think I've, I've barely seen a moment where I have thought, well, Tedesco's form means he needs to be replaced. In that position at club level, so he he is a preferred to be a uh, to be a, a, a fullback for sure. But it's it's his natural position. It's not his position. Playing at fullback is a uh, is a role that comes with minutes and time and experience. And look, for all we know, uh, uh, Trent Robinson is giving uh, Manu heaps of training minutes at fullbacks as well to make sure he's uh, he's up for the play for when it comes. My point I'm making about, uh, about Joey Manu is when he is on the field, I have faith in what he is doing, whether it's at centre, whether it's at fullback. He's a really intelligent footballer, and I've got no problem with him being at fullback. Certainly after watching him that performance, I did have a little trepidation because we've, we we're have we all seen across whatever footy code you want to watch, players who play out of their preferred position, or sorry, their regular position, thrust into another one that he can play fullback is very different to being a fullback. And I think Goose is right is that it is a natural position for him. He filled it well because he plays it well. But it must be said he doesn't play there a lot. He doesn't get tested out there by uh, you know, in the throes of battle uh, as often as as you'd like. And you'd certainly say it'd be rare to say you're comfortable with a guy playing a position. That he's only played, you know, nine or ten first grade games for in that position in general. But Joey Marley's a freak of a talent who had a hell of a game. Yeah, he did
1: indeed, mate. And I'll tell you, the other thing is, at times in the second half, he almost played like a six. He had the ball in his hand so many times, and that's probably something else uh, that Trent Robinson and Madge Maguire can look at going forward. Hey, Sam, thanks very much for your time today, mate. Always good to talk code with you. Could do it for hours on end, but uh, we'll leave it there and catch up with you again soon, eh? Take care, mate. Talk soon.